Welcome to Sports Scope, the most influential sports talk show in the nation. Stay tuned for updates and great sports content. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sports Scope. I'm your host, Robert Butler, on this 25th day of July. And man, do we have a busy sports day. There's still news breaking. One story of the NCAA I can't even get to today because it broke uh, just a few minutes ago. But I am aware of Justin Herbert signing, uh, Saquon Barkley, uh, Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Brown in the NBA, uh, Bronny James, Health Scare, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. I'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, son of LeBron James, and more. Stand by. We'll go ahead and get our first and only break out of the way. We'll hit the ground running here on Sportscope in 49 seconds, folks. Hello, Sportscope followers. The program has seen tremendous growth since going five days a week. I just wanted to thank everybody for your cash contributions and sharing the program uh, with friends and families. Just a reminder. If you want to contribute to the program, go to the cash app, the word, the cash sign, and sports scope. There are other ways to contribute to the program listed at the bottom of the screen. If you want to advertise on the program, go to sports, that is sports with an S, another S, scope, S-K-O-P-E, at gmail.com, just like it's listed at the bottom of the screen. Thank you, and enjoy the program. All righty then. Just had a late dinner here. Had a little leftover lasagna, which was pretty good. Okay, uh, let's start. You know, quarterbacks make the world go round. I know, I know. It was a song by Master P uh, back in 97, I think. Corey, uh, gangsters make the world go round. Gangsters make the world go round. You know, you know. But this is quarterbacks. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, in Rappaport, Adam Scheffner, everybody's reporting. Uh, the Chargers have the highest paid quarterback in the nine played highest paid uh, quarterback in the NFL. Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa, and they had the highest paid uh, safety, Darwin James, and the highest paid center, Corey Lindsey. Okay, uh, five-year extension, $262 million. Let me make sure and get this right here. Uh, Adam Scheffner added on to that that um, $133.7 fully guaranteed. Uh, total new guarantees of 185 So listen, um, as I stated just a few weeks ago, I think that this team is is going to go really far this year. In the regular season, I think they're going to get the number one seed in the AFC. I think that Herbert is one of those players, whether it be with Brandon Staley and this Charger team or whether it be with, with, with another team, that he is a guy you look at, and, and from the time he's played in this league, since he was drafted, you look at Justin Herbert, you say, 
I can win a Super Bowl with that guy. You know, Sean Payton was holding out because he thought originally living in L.A., he thought at the time, the former Saints coach, that Brandon Staley, because they blew like a 20-something point lead in the playoffs, I want to say 28-point, whatever, blew a massive lead in the playoffs against Jacksonville last year that Brandon Staley may get um, may get fired. He didn't. They fired their offensive coordinator in, brought in Keelan Moore from the Dallas Cowboys, okay? And uh, so as far as Herbert is concerned, listen, when you got a franchise guy like that, I would put him just below a Patrick or just Justin um, Joe Burrow, who has not been signed yet. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes, I would probably have as far as new and upcoming. Aaron Rodgers is on his way out. But as far as new and upcoming, I would probably put him at number three. Um, I think he is less susceptible to get injured. He got hurt this year. And I remember the game he got hurt in. And the, the game after that against Jacksonville, they get smoked. But the guy plays through injury like nobody's business. I know Hurts had a really good year. But Herbert's more consistent. Uh, you, you look at this guy's completion percentage, Justin Herbert, 66 in 2020, 65 and 68% last year completion percentage. And again, 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And that was playing through a horrific injury. I, I think it was like an elbow or something early on in the season. He's one big, tough son of a gun. And you, you just hope he gets the right group around him uh, to take that next step. And, you know, Adam Scheffner, he pointed out that Rashad Slater, their left tackle, was out most of the year. Most of the year he was out, and they still got to the playoffs and played really well. And you, you look at this roster, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, with uh, Quentin Johnson, a guy I, I picked directly for them that they would draft, uh, that, that was in my mock wide receiver at a TCU to go with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, who which Keenan Allen may get moved at some point. He's a little long in the tooth, a little banged up. So does Mike Williams. But you look at guys like Joshua Palmer, uh, best red zone threat out there on this team, Jalen Guyton, uh, an extra uh, a speedster can run like the wind blows. And then you got Gerald Everett there at tight end. Austin Eckler was a holdout, but he uh, ended up uh, coming in. Very good pass catching running back. So they, they have that balance there. Wide receiver, tight end, depth, running back. You know, pass rush with Joey Bolsa. Okay. not This is what everybody else is not saying about this team. Sante Jr. got another year on his belt. Coming in, I want to say Samuel Jr. is coming into year three. Or even if it's year two, it's going to slow down for the son of the late, uh, I'll say, I want to say late, great, for the former New England, son of former New England Patriot who doesn't like Bill Belichick. But Samuel Jr., very good cornerback here. Uh, not so much about J.C. Jackson. He's a little bit of an underachiever. Big free agent that he brought over from New England. 
but we know what Darren James is as as a as a safety in this league. And of course, you still have uh, uh, Bolsa, and you uh, they signed Eric Kendricks at linebacker there. So Khalil Mack at the other side. So you, you got your two edge rushers. Yeah, they probably could use a better nose tackle than an Austin Johnson. But this team's pretty deep. They've been deep. They made that next step. Brandon Staley, in his defense, he didn't go crazy his second year with going forward on every fourth down and everything. So uh, getting getting Herbert locked up now uh, is a good thing now. Of course, you need to win because you're going to have to start divvying out some other players because you're not going to be able to pay everybody. The first one to go would probably be James once his contract gets up because he's a safety. Uh, I would go into a, a tackle, a defensive tackle type, a nose tackle type of guy. Just talked about that yesterday with Chris Jones. But either way, uh, the next big shooter job is Joe Burrow. He's already said he doesn't want to, Eric will break the bank because he knows he wants to keep T. Higgins. He wants to keep uh, Jamar Chase. I wouldn't want to keep both of them. I would rather to get the best defensive tackle out there, remain really good at cornerback. Make sure that line is good, whether it's a left guard. You're really good at left tackle right now with Orlando Brown. But that's me. That's me. I still think that Cincinnati team's going to go a long way. But, um, you know, hey, these guys are drafted in the same class, you know. And next year, this coming up in April, uh, Carlos, supposed to be a really good draft. You hope it's as good as 2020, which had Burrow, Herbert, um, Who's the other guy? Burrow, Herbert, Tua, in the second round, Jalen Hurts. What a class, man. What a class. Three of the four have already got second contracts. Okay, but they're also going to miss OC. Kansas City will be okay. Yeah, Kansas City will probably be okay. Now, uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, Carlos, he's injured. Okay. Uh, they let Juju Smith-Schuster walk. They're depending a lot on a second-year player. They're depending on a 34-year-old tight end in Travis Kels. Uh, they let their left tackle go. Uh, they signed a right tackle. They didn't sign a left tackle. There's some questions to be uh, asked about the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. They do have a young defense. They have a holdout at defensive tackle. There's a lot of more questions and answers there with the Kansas City Chiefs, as I said and predicted just a few weeks ago. NFLPA needs to change that franchise tag. Okay, Barkley situation. I'll get to that later, Carlos. Okay. All righty then. Okay, so that's Justin Herbert in a nutshell here. What should I go to next? Let's go to Barkley. Okay. Again, Barkley makes the right decision. Like you said, Carlos, he, it was a lose-lose situation. Uh, uh, I, I made the proposal yesterday that, that for future references, even if the future was today, I would want to pay these running backs with incentives that do not hit against the cap. They are valuable as far as, uh, especially in the first few years of the contract, especially when you're trying to break in a young quarterback here. Barkley, uh, listen, if the Giants didn't want to break the bank for the guy, I would have traded him. 
Listen, there is a report out today, today that came out, uh, and I screenshotted this. This is from um, from the New York Post. The Miami Dolphins were reported to attempted to trade for the New York Giants superstar running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, the Giants turned down two offers from teams that have since proved to be interested and other elite running backs, including the Dolphins. I was thinking maybe the Dolphins would have went after Dalvin Cook uh, since he's still out there. And they still very well may do that. But you put that zone-blocking running scheme with a guy like a Barkley, a pass-catching running back that is shown to be durable. Now, he did get hurt a few years ago. Pretty solid in the red zone. With those two wide receivers, with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill there, uh, that that'll be a tough offense to beat. That'll be a tough team to beat, and they still may be a tough team to beat with Dalvin Cook there added in to that arsenal there. But uh, again, I would have tried to get a deal done with 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 Miami, preferably Chicago, because I think they'll have a pretty good draft lineup. Uh, maybe get a second or a third round pick, squeeze it out of them. If I was the Giants, that's what I would have done. I would have done, but uh, now they they brought him in. He's going to be hungry. He's not going to get injured, Barkley, uh, by, by coming in late in training camp or missing a few games. It's a miracle. And I, and, and I should talk, I'm sure Jim Jeffco would agree that when um, Edmund Smith back in 1993 missed the first two games, they went 0-2. He comes back in. They win the Super Bowl. But it's a miracle the guy didn't get hurt. It's very difficult to come in, hit the ground running hard in the NFL speed like that. Uh, my dad used to tell me, you're in shape, and then you're in football shape. Got to get used to getting hits here. Uh, so kudos to him. That That's great news for Giant fans uh, that he's going to come in He's hungry. He's got the one-year deal. He's not going to miss training camp where his timing's going to be off, and it'll keep him somewhat competitive. I don't think that they're going to be as good as they were last year. I do think that uh, a lot of their scheme is going to get figured out. I think they overpaid for Daniel Jones. Uh, I think they'll be a nice competitive team, probably a little bit better than they were if he would have uh, held out per se, but uh, that that is a Giants problem per se. I, I, th- I think I think Washington Commanders are going to be better. I think Dallas is going to be better, uh, as good, maybe a little better. Dallas beat them anyways, uh, and Philadelphia is the heavy favorite to to win anyways. They they smoked them in the last time they played in that playoff game, and I don't see why they wouldn't be. So um, I just think the Giants made a mistake there. They, they, they probably should have took one of those trade deals, man. Jeez, it's like we're seeing – I'm looking at – it's like I have to ask myself, are we looking at the same game? You're getting a draft pick, and you could sign a guy with an inspiring deal here, a short-term deal, and a Dalvin Cook there if you're the Giants, or Kareem Hunt, per se, and save three, four, five million dollars. But, hey – uh, the guy's popular around town. I think ownership's pushing for him. I know he sells a lot of jerseys. Uh, sometimes I think some of these 
some of these signings are more about selling jerseys and popularity rather than actual wins, if you ask me. Yeah, and show hunt at this deal. Yeah, and you don't know if the Mara family, uh, if ownership is really pushing for that. That that's that's my thing, you know. And okay, so I think it's it's good for for the Giants. I would have rather for them to have traded him, but you you much rather do a one year deal now than not have the guy and then do something where he's missing a few games. At least you're going to have somewhat of a fighting chance to win games uh, with him, part of your offense, rather than waiting him, letting him uh, miss a few games. And of course, I mentioned to this, I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, Le'Veon Bell missed the whole season, 2018. Really regrets it. Lost 14 million dollars there. He never got that back. And when he signed with the Jets, he had totally missed a step there. He never really regathered that. Um, really regathered his footing. And, of course, now he says he uh, he, he uh, uh, regrets doing that. So, okay. Switching gears here. Let me get a sip of water on that note. Who could it be now? Dun, 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 dun. Who could it be now? Okay. This is uh, Carlos thinks they're probably uh, eight and nine team. Uh, that's not really a hot take. I mean, that's that's probably about right, man. That that is that is uh, uh, probably about right there. Okay, this is a big deal. This is one that I do approve of. Uh, of course, I, I, I did like. By the way, for the record, yeah, I like the Justin Herbert deal. Uh, when you got a franchise guy like that, you, you make it happen. I, I really like Justin Herbert. Like that class, the 2020 quarterback class. Okay, Trayvon Diggs. Uh, yes, that's the brother of Stefan Diggs, 24 year old, six foot one cornerback out of Dallas. And listen, folks, uh, there was a survey done. There was a survey done uh, out of ESPN. And that survey, uh, survey said, right, like on Family Feud, that survey uh, of, of coaches and executives around the league, they had uh, Trayvon Diggs, cornerback of Dallas Cowboys, around the eighth cornerback in the league. So if you're just counting two cornerbacks per team, if you want to add in the slot corner, you could do that as well. But if you're saying top 10 out of 64, that's pretty good. You know, and I've studied and looked up the last uh, best cornerbacks in the Dallas Cowboy history, say in the last 30 years. Okay. And uh, guys like Kevin Smith came up, uh, Terrence Newman, uh, about, about 12 years ago. Names like Terrence Newman came up there. Also, and then you want to go back, obviously, the best one even though he's there for short term, Deion Sanders. I would say, listen, folks, I would say looking at Trayvon Diggs, uh, year before last, 11 interceptions, only three last year. Teams started to stay away from him more now last year. 
has a PFF rating in the 70s. Uh, he does take chances a little bit. Uh, he is a little bit like a Marcus Peters type of guy, the, the cornerback I told you who signed with the Raiders. Uh, signed with the Raiders yesterday. Big uh, chance-taking guy. Really good tackler, though. Uh, I do like Stefan uh, or Trayvon, excuse me. I like Trayvon Diggs. I think he is better than all these players except Dion. And he is the second best player since Deion Sanders. And that's saying a lot. I mean, we're talking 25, 30 years we're talking here. With um with uh, uh, uh so here is um here is one of the pro pro football focus write-ups. Dallas Cowboy cornerback Stefan Trayvon, excuse me. I keep getting him mixed up with his brother who's a head case at Buffalo. Uh, Dallas Cowboy cornerback Trayvon Diggs has taken the NFL by storm in his second season. This was in 21. First into the scene, 11 interceptions through 16 weeks of action and just two regular season games left to play. He is just three picks away from the single season record, which has stood since 1952. Now, he didn't get that, but 11 interceptions, man, is that good. After making his 2021 NFL Pro Bowl, Diggs is popping up as a defensive player of the year and all pro lists, but it's not the same list as PFL ranks 45th amongst quarterbacks. Uh, they went on and, and, and did dog the guy out. They said that, you know, he's, uh, like I said, he gambled too much in coverage. That was in 21. Uh, but, you know, again, you look at him, you look at his uh, all-pro honors and Pro Bowl years, uh, two out of the three years this guy has played for the uh, – like guy has played for the Dallas Cowboys. He's he's better than Newman. I think he's better. And Kevin Smith, he was on a Super Bowl team. Uh, him and Darren Woodson played really well. But if you look at a guy like this, and I want to say his average here is um, – I want to say his average is up there with the best cornerbacks. Uh, his yearly average, guys like Denzel Ward at 20 million, Marshawn Lattimore at 19, Marlon Humphrey at 19.5. Uh, he's going to be at about 19.4. He's in the top 10 with that six foot one frame here. I would put him right up there with these guys. I wouldn't put him ahead of a Jar Alexander per se. Uh, but, you know, he, he's very competitive with the Marshawn Lattimore, with the Marlon Humphrey. Uh, I would I would put him right there. Uh, now, I do think that Sauce Gardner, if he keeps playing the way he is, if he thinks another step and not get too complacent, too caught up in the New York City limelight, I do think that Gardner could be the best. Uh, the, the, the Jet player is really that good. He actually had the highest PFF grade in the league as a rookie last year. Uh, he's also got that six foot one frame, but Diggs is not a guy that's just overrated because he's playing for Dallas. You know, uh, he's shown more discipline last year. That's why that his interceptions went down, his tackling ability, plus he's playing off of a guy in front of him that is all world is probably going to get a lot of money when he is eligible for an extension in Michael Parsons. 
But again, it's so much harder to find a great cornerback than it is wide receiver. It's harder to find a guy that can play corner like a Sauce Gardner, like a Jar Alexander. Look at all these receivers here. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. It seems like the NFL. Jordan uh, Addison is supposed to be really good. Uh, He's also going to be playing with Minnesota this year. Okay. Uh, I really like Trayvon Burks, but it's harder to find that cornerback. You know, I know wide receivers are more glamorous, but try running backwards while another person's running forwards is very unorthodox to do. Uh, there's not that many air quote shutdown corners. I, I know that, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ramsey that it's playing with Miami. Another reason why I like Miami. Uh, yes, they get beat sometimes, but you know, some of these cornerbacks that are considered elite, they make that big play at that right time. Think about a Richard Sherman, you know, think about a Richard Sherman to end the game there. I forgot the guy's name that he, he he beat out. It was a it was the number one receiver at the time for the 49ers. That big play where he hollers at Aaron Andrews and says, nobody should disrespect me like that. Another type of guy got that six-foot-one uh, frame there. A lot of guys that are over six foot, they want to play receiver. It's hard to find a very good six-foot-plus cornerback that's got those good hips there, you know? I'm curious to see what that um, other player's name was. Um, but I'm looking at the 49er depth chart here, this wide receiver here. It wasn't Ted Ginn. Michael Crabtree. Yeah, so it was Michael Crabtree, if you all remember, in the NFC Championship game uh, in, 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 in the 2012 uh, 49ers and... 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks, the Legion of Boom. Uh, it was Michael Crabtree going towards the end zone. Colin Kaepernick, I thought he had that touchdown at the very last minute. You see a Richard Sherman, also a guy about the same kind of body side frame as a Stefan Diggs makes that key play. That's the difference in a, a, a average to mid-level corner versus an elite cornerback. Um uh, if you ask me which one I'd rather have, I, I would rather have like a defensive tackle, then an edge rusher, but then a corner, not, not a linebacker, not a safety, not even a wide receiver. Because I think we can find more wide receivers in this game that the rules, the rules uh, are, are aimed to help the wide receiver, you know, with where there's so many slot receivers now, because you cannot blast the receiver like you could back in the day, back in the Ronnie Lott days, okay, where you could just tear a receiver up for going over the middle. Now, I mean, you have guys like Julian Edelman, he would go across the middle all day, every day, right? You you, you, could, you could do it, and, and you cannot hit a guy uh, high like that and, and, air quote, ring his bell. You cannot do that now. So my thing is to stop these really high-end uh, uh, you know, uh, speedy guys like a uh, Tyree Kill. You need a guy that's got really good footwork and spacing. And I do think a guy like Diggs, although he's been beat before, uh, but he's got a short memory, uh, is it, good to have. 
you know. So yeah, I'm okay with that. I, I like that. I like that signing. Uh, is a good player, but best defensive back ever pushes push breaks. Uh, I didn't say that. I, I think he's he's the best since Dion. I think he's better than than Terrence Newman. I think he's better than Kevin Smith, who played on that team. Uh, uh, they haven't had that many good corners in Dallas. So I do think that he's the best since Dion. Dion's the best ever. Uh, there may have been some other players. I'm talking the last 30 years, post-Jimmy Johnson. Uh, and, 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 of course, uh, Pickle says Larry Brown was the uh, MVP, and that was in 96, I want to say. So kudos to, uh, to Diggs there. Uh, that's not one. I'm not. I'm not going to tear Dallas up now. Signing Zeke Elliott with two years left on his deal. I'll throw Dallas under the bus for that. Okay, but uh, I noticed Zach Martin restructured his con contract, so the Cowboys are back with Martin. I think the Cowboys are going to play more power football this year, which I think is a good thing. I do think Dak's uh, interceptions are going to be down. I think Terrence, um, who's the guy, Newman. Uh, I, I think they're going to be better at wide receiver than people are giving him credit for because he's going to be uh, he he's going to be back and healthy with CD Lamb there. Uh, it, it's not going to be uh, as bad as people think. I know that they got some replacements, including tight end, that they have to adjust. Uh, but we'll see. We shall see. And the strength of this team, like I said last year is the defense. And that would be my message coming in. We know we're paying Dak a lot of money, but it's hard to get that through Jerry Jones's head. You know you're paying Dak a lot, but the strength is Michael Parsons is a heart and soul of this team. And then you got guys like that. His job, this guy's so good, he does make Stephon, uh, Trayvon Diggs' job a lot easier. And the rest of that secondary and pass rushers, for that matter. And linebackers. And they got some good ones. They, they're a little long in the tooth, some of the other guys. But they do have some good linebackers there in Dallas, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I just don't like to dog a team just to dog them because I don't care for the owner because I know he's, he's a little – can be a little bit narcissistic to say the least, right? Okay, switch it to the round ball, Corey. All right. Uh, listen, trending today – overpaid what are you thinking talking about this Jalen Brown contract uh with the uh with the Boston Celtics now listen I I, I think that that this contract here is um it is just the timing of this contract okay uh, Jalen Brown signs a, a five-year, $304 million Supermax for the Boston Celtics, the biggest in NBA history. Uh, you, you see stuff like overpaid and all that. And then I, I also read that Spot Track, this this uh, this uh, website that does contracts, uh, Spot Track put out that that Jason Tatum and 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 uh, Jalen Brown's contract for this year. Combined will be $64 million to the cap. Next year, it'll be 87. Okay. And in 2025, it'll be $114 million for two players. You know, 
and you see that and you think, oh my God, oh my God, right? Well, listen, folks, I've, I've, I've read, looked over when these guys have been playing together. I mean, Jalen Brown, he's a six foot six, small forward. Let me, let me look at his, his stat sheet here because I was really impressed with his production over the years, okay? All right. So Brown has been in uh, with uh, 26 years old, been with this team since 2016. In 2017, 2016, he, Brown had six points, uh, three rebounds, less than one assist a game. And then in 2017, that year one to year two, Corey, 14 and a half points, five rebounds. Now that, that second year, that's when Tatum comes on, right? So you watch this jump here for these two to play in together. So he goes from six to 14, back to 13, but his rebounds go up. But then in 19, he jumps all the way up to 20 points a game, six rebounds, two assists, 21, 24 points, six rebounds, 3.4 assists. That was in 2021. And then 21, 22, 23, six and three. And then he had 26 points average last year, 3.5 and seven rebounds. So up, 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 up. Not to mention, not to mention the fact that from that second year, from 17, 18, when him and Tatum were together, this team made the playoffs every single year often going to the uh, second round, third round, conference finals, finals last year. They're used to being in the postseason. That's why you, you see people wanting to get Jalen Brown. You know, I didn't realize he was six foot six. He could play shooting guard. He could play uh, small forward here. Uh, uh, he, he's a well above average defender. Uh, and that's what everybody wants in the league, right, Corey? I mean, you, you, want, you want wings. Then you have your six foot eight Jason Tatum here, who is average, who is 20, a year younger. Uh, you have a Tatum just a year younger that last year averaged 30 and, and, and practically nine rebounds and five assists. Uh, and, and then in 21, uh, the last year, uh, that year before last, excuse me, 27 points, eight rebounds five assists, you put them two together, they're going deep into the playoffs every single year. And both of these players, uh, if, if you're just adding uh, six, uh, be going into their seventh year, J uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Tatum will be going into the seventh year next year. Well, as I mentioned before on this program, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, LeBron James, the Joker, none of those players won a championship before their seventh year. None of those players did. These players uh, will be going into their, uh, I think I think Brown's, I think Brown's going into year eight. Let me make sure. So Tatum, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, Tatum will be going into the seventh year. Brown will be going to his eighth year. Still only 26 years old. Okay. They picked up Porzingis this year, all right? That's the 
that the mid-range game that they need. Uh, that is a player that is another guy whose stats have quietly, because he's bounced around, New York gave up on him quickly, uh, kind of fell under the radar, plus he's playing with a bad Washington team, but it, it drifted up and up and up. Not only that, you throw in a Sam Cassell there as an assistant coach, championship pedigree, three-time championship winner there. He's going to tighten this team up, still think they might get a point guard there. And listen, it's the Celtics, with those, these type of players, would you, would you pay a guy like that in Boston, a guy you've invested into a long time, do you think you're just going to casually, a team like Boston, who's always thinking about analytics and everything, you think they're casually just going to write out a 300 and something million dollar contract to a clown who doesn't show up? No. You know, and I also looked at, uh, let me go back and see if I got his games played here. Because I want to say that he has played at, uh, uh, he hasn't played, he, he's a 66 he's a game a year guy, him and Tatum both. And I like what Tatum said. I like what Tatum said about not mailing it in. I say that quote. I say that's because there's something about chemistry here with these players that that is unsung. And some people say, well, you know, you think there's something wrong. Yeah, Tatum has his moments where he zones out. He comes in late. He's not as consistent in the big moments, but he's gradually matured. Both of their stats in the last three to five years have went up, 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 up. So, but we get so caught up in the postseason, the standards are getting so high that we lose track of their gradual growth and progress through an 82-game regular season, which still means something. Okay? Here's Jason Tatum today talking about I don't decide we're playing the Hornets and I'm going to chill. Somebody paid their money to watch me play. Big game. I'm going to go out and compete. Listen to this quote. I don't decide. Shit, we playing the Hornets tonight. I'm going to chill. I only get to go to Charlotte two times a year. Somebody paid their money to come watch me play. Like, not trying to be arrogant. Like, like it's a bunch of kids in there. My shoes and my jersey. And just because we're playing Charlotte on... NBA League pass on a Monday, but ain't nobody watching. I nah, I'm chilling tonight. That's not what the, the, the great players, the best players do. So the way y'all compete in the middle, I love it. Competing, talking, blocking shots, or fouls and still being safe. Dude, that's basketball. But then you can't go on the side that's like, ah, right, we ain't playing them. They still watching. They still evaluate. They didn't come to see me play. Follow a Brad. They know what we can do. Y'all in future, y'all next. So just keep that in mind. Like, ranked player, not big game, not big game. Like, compete, play basketball. And these guys play 66, 72, 75 games a year. Uh, they play the game the right way. They play fundamental basketball. Get a little three-point happy this past year or so. And I think that's what they did with, with getting Porzingis. And by the way, I just looked at the FanDuel odds. The FanDuel odds, it's it's not it's not Denver. It's not Denver. FanDuel says, no, it's Boston. Boston's favored again to win the championship, followed by Denver, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Miami. 
uh, Golden State is like sixth, then the Lakers, then Philadelphia. So uh, for those of you that say, ah, you're overpaying, there's something to be looked into. This isn't a team that just thrown in a bunch of players and just uh, overnight these guys grew together. You got a six-year guy. You got a seven-year guy going into year eight. And there's a lot to be said about that team chemistry here. Uh, chemistry sounds like a, a Philly issued more than a, a, a team thing. Yeah, Philly uh, threw a bunch of guys together. They tried to lose some games there. Uh, and I think uh, that process karma came back on them. Uh, Tatum should push for a new change. Porzingis is Anthony Davis playing 60. Well, I'll tell you what, Anthony Davis has got a ring, Carlos. I don't know. He's second team. Uh, he's all NBA second team. Yeah, so that's what got him. Yeah, and uh, people always overreact. Yeah, because it, it's just the timing of the contract. Somebody else will get another Supermax contract, Corey, in another year. So same thing in NFL. People said, man, look at the Justin Herbert contract. And then a few years ago, it was look at the look at the Patrick Mahomes contract. Okay, well, Joe Burrow's contract may top everybody's, but he don't want to get paid and break the bank like that. You know, uh, it's just the timing of the contract here. These guys are all young. They're playing uh, deep into the playoffs. It's not like that they're total disasters. Uh, there's something to be said about that. Look at what Denver did. They kept their group, their core group together. Jamal Murray, was he six years in? Seven years for the Joker. Kept that guy, added a Aaron Gordon. And, of course, you throw in a Michael Porter, but they kept those that, that core together, same coach there. Now, of course, Dallas or Boston had some issues with the coach, and, of course, they had to move a guy upstairs. Uh, but uh, it says something about that. It's, it's, there's something to be said about chemistry. Uh, throwing teams together overnight, throwing teams together over the night often does not work, Carlos. Waiting to get picked to be in the dance. Corey, I need this guy to push the ball and get the boards. Sam Cassell will make a huge difference. Yeah, uh, Pickles, he will get in those players' rear end uh, when they're getting three happy and not setting screens, not catching up on loose balls. Uh, I, I think I think Boston's going to be really interesting next year with Porter. I, I really do. I cannot wait to see what they look like. And look, if, they, if, it, get, if it gets an issue where they do need a point guard, uh, they have the ability to go out and make a move by the trade deadline coming up in March, folks. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the more I studied it, the more you look at the raw numbers, take away the, uh, by the way, Jordan and Pippen, they had their struggles, right? They had to get through Detroit for a minute. So it's not like as soon as you put Jordan and Pippen together and then they just win it. Jordan went through several coaches there, him and Pippen. He got mad at Pippen because Pippen didn't play through a sore throat or something like that. They got beat. Uh, they went on and, 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 you know, got bigger, lifted weights, and eventually got through that Pistons team in a sweep, won the championship. I still think this is a championship contender level team. I don't know if I'll pick them over Denver, but I can understand why that, um, that, 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 that why FanDuel would see it that way. You know, and I do not think um, 
I do not think that, you know, some people want to compare CJ McCollum to uh, uh, and Damon Lillard. Here's the thing. Here's the difference between those two guys. Those guys barely made the playoffs. They got to the second round. They got the one conference finals. This team, this group has been to multiple, multiple conference finals and an NBA final. That group never did get to a final. McCollum and, and Lillard together, although being compared to Tatum and Brown, is not quite, they're not quite the level of these players. First of all, they're guards and they're not forwards. These guys are 6'6 six, six and 6'8, six, and they move like guards. So that's the difference between them two. Boston, a lot more balance as a whole team, been picked to win, much better winning percentage in the regular season. Nothing like those Blazer teams who never, never had a real true big, never had a, really never had a, a four there, uh, a four really that they can depend on. And they never had the coaching either. So it, it, it's really a bad comparison. I know Jason McIntyre kind of said that as well. Anyways, um, so I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. The more I analyze it, the more I, I'm okay with that uh, particular signing, folks. Okay. I had to save this story for last, you know. I want to keep these haters... Um, yeah, I gotta I gotta watch what I put on YouTube or Facebook as far as anything to do with cardiac arrest or any kind of indications that that there's just a little bit of criticism of COVID. You cannot criticize the vaccine. Uh, so yesterday did not get out in the news. By the way, uh, didn't get out in the news to almost a day later. But yesterday at around 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, which would have been about 9.30 a.m. Pacific Time, Bronny James, the son of LeBron James, collapses with a uh, cardiac arrest heart attack, you know, and uh, he, he went to UC, uh, USC uh, Hospital, whatever. This was supposedly at practice. And he was in ICU yesterday. Now he's in uh, stable condition. That That's the latest that, I, that I've read about him. And LeBron has really been kind of quiet about this thing. And here's my thing. Okay, so you got an 18-year-old uh, player, college player, totally collapses of the, um, has cardiac arrest here, perfectly healthy. And, you know, I look back at that. DeMar Hamlin also had a heart attack here, uh, a cardiac arrest. And that was just back in January. I thought that was a little farther back. That was back in January. And it was being sold to us as a hit between heartbeat. Uh, uh, contact made between the heart beating and, you know, it's been it's been told talked about. Uh, it, it's been talked about as uh, shown. Uh, oh God, what is that? Uh, lacrosse, where the ball hits people in the chest, compared to plastic. And I, you know, I looked at the Mar Hamlin thing live, and I thought to myself, okay, the guy's a. It was a three yard uh, safety uh, comes up, wraps up a receiver. 
throws a receiver down, gets back up, and then falls back down. It wasn't an issue where the, both these guys are uh, running full blast in, in, in different directions and they pop each other. Then they fought at it. It wasn't that. So so I was kind of suspect of that hit uh, with, with DeMar Hamlin, of, of that theory that's been thrown out there uh, throughout the media, okay? And then on top of all that, you got Jamie Foxx here about six weeks ago. Jamie Foxx, yes, he's 55. I get it. Jamie Foxx played a boxer in a movie. He is an action star. This guy is perfectly fit. Great shape, light on his feet. And he goes into uh, stops the feminine of a movie, uh, total health scare. Nobody's to ask any questions about it. There was a uh, a rumor. Now, I don't understand why anybody would think that it's just a great, why, why, why somebody would get off on, um, this is the guy, who is this guy's name? Dr. Drew. Miss A.J. Beninsky, a podcaster who formerly worked with the New York Daily News, told Dr. Pinsky on his program that on May the 30th that Fox left partially paralyzed and blind after receiving a COVID vaccine. Now, of course, he's out now, and that, that's been refuted. Okay, uh, doesn't look, he's not partially blind or anything like that. But the idea that you've got two young men that within less than a year have cardiac arrest, okay, high-profile figures, less than a year stand, supposed to have cardiac arrest, knowing knowing that myocarditis is a, is a side effect. This ain't my, this is the CDC, this ain't my opinion, of the vaccine, and you're not supposed to ask about that, knowing that it's a side effect. And on and on uh, on uh, other than Twitter, of course, because thank God for thank God for Eli Musk, who don't want to censor people in this country. That you you can't ask about it, you know. That uh, you can say, hey, listen, man, you know, maybe maybe it is a coincidence. Maybe it is a coincidence, but. For you to say that I'm some kind of anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist, when if it's my son or myself, if I'm a young man, to ask the doctor, hey, man, is are you sure this ain't a, a side effect here? You know, if it wasn't for the Supreme Court in this country, we'd have to be mandated for perfectly healthy people to take this thing. Now, I'm not anti-vaxxer. I'm just saying. You know, I, I told a friend of mine who's overweight, hey, look, man, a couple of three years ago, I said two years ago, I said, let me, you might want to take it. But if you're in really good shape, you probably want to look into this experimental. But, uh, you know, it, it's too much of a coincidence that three perfectly healthy men have these incidents and they're so secretive about it. And... Um, so I, I was looking at guys like who are very suspicious, people like Jason Whitlock. And he says, he says, I don't believe LeBron or his family took the vaccine. He said, I, I believe most elite athletes fake taking the vaccine. No way men in their prime physical health injected a rush to vaccine in their bodies. He said, I refuse to believe that. That's a conspiracy. I don't know what happened to Bronny. Then this guy from California, he says, 
He says, living in California, I want to venture to guess Sierra Cannon, and that must be some kind of high school there, some kind of private school, whatever, required students to vaccinate. And that that's a local there. You know, all I'm saying is, if I'm LeBron James, I'm getting, I'm, I'm not taking LeBron to get the cardiologist in UCLA. There may be some conflict of interest. Yeah, you may be a great cardiologist, but you also may have stock in uh, Pfizer. You may have stock in Pfizer. I would take him, probably uh, somebody that I'm familiar with, preferably back home, low key. And I'm getting about four different opinions of saying, is this a side effect from this vaccine? Okay. Now, I don't think he's got the character to do this. LeBron does. But if it's my son, if it's my son and I got his kind of uh, influence just to be on the safe side, just to be on the safe side, if it's my son, that's what I'm doing. Okay. That's what I'm doing. And if it is a side effect, I'm going to make it public. And I don't care who I lose to say that. That that's what kills me. What's the problem with safety? You know, it's not being a. It's just called being on the safe side. It's called being on the safe side. If it's not, that's fine and dandy. But if it is, I would want the public to know. That's just me. We don't know really what happened to Lamar Hamlin because he ain't saying it. Now I understand it's your personal health stuff. And I think they're all there. I do think that there's some fear behind that. There's some fear behind saying that and getting blackballed, which is the, the most idiotic, unethical thing I've ever heard of just telling the truth because you're trying to help other people make a second guess before you're taking these booster shots. Okay. You know, so that's his common sense. Um, three perfectly healthy guys, three questionable. Uh, two very questionable uh, heart attacks there. It's just too much of a coincidence. That's less than a year. Not that least ask the question and look into it. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Death always analyzed, determined. Well, all I'm saying is it should, I shouldn't be ostracized for asking questions if it's me, if it's my body. This sets these guys' livelihood, man. You know, it's their livelihood. And I doubt LeBron will say anything. I would respect him if he would, you know, if he would tell uh, say it. But I understand it's health-related and all that. And, you know, I was looking at um, somebody put out some kind of Washington Post article about it saying that, uh, back in 2016, myocarditis was a thing in college. I'm not thinking, I keep up with college athletes in 2016. In 2016, three, three notable, notable healthy men did not have these kind of scares in, in less than a year span. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's just the public figures we know. What do we not know? And I tell you, I work in the healthcare industry. I talk to a lot of people. I got a lot of stories, okay? Okay, so this just, you know, either way. Um, hope it all works out, though. Uh, I, I hope, I hope it, he, he can still play again. It, it's uh, 
It's really unfortunate. You know, uh, LeBron has said some stuff over the years that's ticked me off, man. But, uh, you know, I still don't want anything bad to, uh, to, to happen to him. And I know his son worked hard. I know his son was born rich and all that. But, uh, you know, his son's a lot shorter than LeBron. He's like 6'3". LeBron's 6'8". I thought they were both 6'8". So I really hope the best for the guy, you know. Resource towards vaccine. Troubling times, my friend. Yep, that's right, Carlos. So if you guys like the show, share the show. This venting a little bit about it. Not saying one way or the other. It's always good to be safe and sorry and do your own research and talk to your doctor. I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Uh, but anyways, God, it seems like every time I end the uh, show, it seems like a storm seems to be coming. I'm hearing it's, it's lightning again out there. But anyways, uh, crazy weather here. Uh, tomorrow, I didn't even get to that. There was another story about ESPN, the, the league Bonnie. I've been trying to get to that story for three days. Uh, didn't get a chance for Kareem Blackston to get on. I'm going to interview him about this Titans uh, thing with the um, uh, he's, he's returning guests I've had on about uh, um, Hopkins there, DeAndre Hopkins signing there. I'll probably record one interview with him on Friday, and then I'll uh, that'll be on for next Tuesday. So uh, if you guys like the show, please share the show. I'll be back on tomorrow. May get a little bit more in the SEC media days, but you never know what's going to break in the world. I mean, I didn't know all these signings would happen today here Um here in the NFL, that, that kind of really caught me by surprise, especially that Justin Herbert sign in there. But uh, for the most part, I do like those signings. I know it's a lot of money, but uh, you start to break it down. And, and and some guys, sometimes it's really just worth it. I'm not one of those people saying nobody's worth the money. I think Brown, you know, I, I think what Brown's doing and way, what they've got going on in Boston, I think he's worth it. Uh, Justin Herbert, he's a quarterback. It's a lot of money. You can win a Super Bowl with that guy, you know. Might not be with his coaching staff, but uh, I do think you can do that. And 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 it's hard. It's hard to find. Uh, it's hard to find uh, good corners, you know. It, it, it's hard to find really good corners in this league. Uh, if I had my choice between good defensive tackle corner, I, if it was between Micah and and Diggs, then I would take Micah. But it's really hard. It's much easier to find receivers there, folks. All right, guys. Thanks. I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place here on Sportscope.